And welcome to Desk Lady Ada. Hey everybody, welcome to Desk Lady Ada, beaming to you from downtown Manhattan, uh, where the Pride Parade happened today. It was very exciting to see everybody out. Um, a lot of folks celebrating uh, parades, floats, very busy streets. Um, but we're broadcasting now, we're going to show you some electronics, uh, which you can enjoy uh, with all your Pride yeah. as well. So this week's going to be a little weird. Um, yeah. Because we have, um, we're changing some things around. We have a bunch of things. Tomorrow in the news, uh, we can't talk about this till tomorrow, but there'll be some big news in New York City, and Adafruit is included in it. So we'll get the word out about that. And then on Wednesday, there is show and tell, but there may or may not be Ask an Engineer because we might not be able to make it back in time because we have something going on. It's all good. And then uh, this weekend coming up, it's 4th of July weekend, so there will be no Desk of Lady Ada. So that's programming note, but let's uh, kick it off yeah, we have with a lot to get what through. is on your screen. What are you making? What are you doing? Okay, so this week, well, I was going to show some samples, but it ended up being a STEMA Sunday, uh, a sensor Sunday. So um, trying to get back to some uh, old boards, get some more breakouts out. I, I kind of took a detour and did a lot of ESP boards and, and got a couple... Uh, uh, you know feathers uh, designed um but i wanted to like get back to um some breakouts this is an old breakout i had the pcf 8574 so let's go to the computer real fast and then i'll i'll go to the overhead so um this is a eight channel gpio expander um so it's got you know i squared c input this is the chip what's interesting about this chip is it comes in like eight different packages it comes in like you know, SOIC, TSOP, QFN 16, QFN 20, like this wide QFN. And the original breakup board designed, you know, like a year and a half ago, had the 16 QFN, which is like totally unavailable. But what is available is the 20 QFN. Why? I don't know. It's just not as used, maybe. Um, and so um, I redesigned, you know, I just swapped the package out um, with the... Uh, you know, the CAD library for the uh, three and a half by four and a half. They call it QFN, but I kind of, well, I guess it is a QFN because there's pads on the end. It's not a TDFN, but it looks like a TDFN because it's got mostly um, stuff on two rows. And um, this is an interesting chip. You know, I see this a lot in like, you know, uh, I squared C LCD converters and some other low cost converters. Um, what's interesting about this chip is it's a, I squared C GPIO expander, but it doesn't have any registers. You literally just write the byte or read the byte. Um, there's no direction register, and yet it's bidirectional, which is like a little bit weird because I'm like, how how do you do that? Well, it turns out that in the documentation, they're like, it's a push-pull GPIO expander. It is not a push-pull GPIO expander. Uh, not really. It is a open drain uh, GPIO expander. Um, and so if you want to... Um, if you're using it for logic levels, then yes, you can write one and zero to each bit of the port and the logic level will be high and low. But if you're actually trying to drive something like an LED, you can only sync current. So let's go to the overhead and I'll show my little breakout. So this is a breakout um, that I just, I just have the uh, LED uh, stuck between um, ground and, sorry, power and uh, one of the GPIO. So the high pane of the LED is connected to, oops, sorry, I'm jiggling this wire. The high pane is connected to uh, power, so the anode and the cathode is connected to uh, the GPIO expander. And the GPIO expander is like, you know, going high and low. And so what you would expect is if this was truly a push-pull expander, then what I could do is connect the high uh, 
pin to so the anode to the LED and the cathode to ground, but you'll see it actually doesn't light up. Um, even though the logic level is going high to low, it actually can't source current because there's a very weak pull-up built in. Um, so if you're, you, if you're controlling logic, it's okay. If you're controlling something like an LED where you have to actually sync current, um, you can only sync, you can't source. And then you can use it for button reading, uh, but you can only connect the buttons to ground because the pull-up resistor, um, again, that, that built-in pull-up resistor is, is basically always on. Um, so you can either have output low or um, input pulled high. It's kind of interesting. So it's, like, it's bi-directional, but it's a little bit of a weird hack. That said, you know, it's very fast because there's no, like, configuration. And for a lot of people, like, you know, it's okay if you just want to, uh, you know, sync current for an LED. That's pretty common because usually the N channels are stronger than the P channels on a, you know, GPIO expander. And, um for buttons, it's pretty common to expect a pull-up. So it's like, even though it kind of only has half the capability of a normal expander, like you can't source current and you can't do a pull-down, you know, or you can't detect um, a button that's been, um, that's connected to high because you can't detect a high, you can only detect a low. Uh, you know, it's fine. It's, it's, I think it's low cost and it's simple. Uh, so we have this little breakout board um, that come in handy, come in handy, especially since, uh, as we talked last week, the MCP series of GPIO expanders are like totally unavailable. Anyways, if you're wondering about the PCF, that because I was wondering like, what is up with this chip? Now you know. Um, we'll answer some questions because tonight's going to be a little bit of a longer show, so I'll, I'll add these in. Mm -hmm. um, have you considered making a breakout for the Abercron RTC 32.768 kilohertz AIG7 S7 real-time clock. Never heard of it. Sounds like a crystal. Want me to send it to you? Yeah, I'll take a yeah. look at it. This I, is from I, Spurrier, I have who, a... who, searched, who found this via DigiKey. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've, um, I've, I have an RV, like, 2038 or whatever breakout board that I never finished. Um, you know, a lot of stuff kind of, you know, has been... The chip shortage has really kind of jumbled my schedule. I used to be on, like, a one-board-per-week schedule, but I'm spending, like, two to three hours a day just, like, sourcing alternatives and, like, juggling parts and um so you know that's very exciting but it means i i it's been it's been a while since i actually got to do uh okay. some new product design. what's next okay so next up um i also wanted to design something today because i was like i feel like designing something so let's go to the computer so i think you sent me this um project yeah. which you posted which is kind of cool it's just like a pro mini it's a game port adapter, and if you remember having a Sound Blaster 16, you know, you have a um, joystick port that you, you plug in, and um, you, know, you plug into the back of your computer. Some computers had game ports. Uh, you could have one or two joysticks, and you could, like, play with a joystick or, like, a, you know, a Joy-Con controller. And um, I was like, oh, that's a good idea. You know, there's a lot of people who want to use these old retro controllers, even though they're, they're not, like... I don't say they suck, but they're like definitely not very ergonomic, but there's something about them that is very charming. Um, I thought it would be cool to make a little breakout adapter to make it easy to use. Now, what's interesting is, and I'm not going to go into the detail of, of you know, um, how, the code, how the code works on the computer. But what's interesting is that, as you expect, the X and Y joystick, right, there's literally a joystick or like a thumb pod or whatever, is a potentiometer. There's two potentiometers inside. Um, and, you know, they're 100K uh, pots. But what's interesting is they're connected as rheostats, so not connected 
as like voltage divider potentiometers, which means because at the time there was really like no such thing as a low cost ADC in like the 80s and the 90s. So computers did not have analog digital converters. Instead, they would feed the resistance of the pot into an RC oscillator um, and use and, and measure the pulse width. Basically, it's a 555 and they'd measure the pulse width. Um, this would happen inside of an ASIC, but there was no ADC. So instead, you would do this RC, you know, calculation, and it was good enough. You only need like eight bits of precision. It's a video game. It's not uh, the you know, data acquisition system, um, which I think is, I remember reading about this, which is why a lot of times if you overclocked a computer or if you, depending on how they did it, if you, if you simulate a computer, um, the joystick was a little weird because it's such a freaky way of reading an, a, a resistor, uh, a variable resistor. Um, to do it via RC counting, RC pulse width time counting, not via an analog digital converter. Um, but thankfully, you know, um, this is just a nice potentiometer from a, a project on Hackaday.io, which shows, uh, you know, the, uh, let me really zoom in, the, um, there's two joysticks and they actually share a port. And so if there's two ports, it's just one's flipped, which is a little bit like floppy um, uh, disk connectors, which is, you know, like the, or ID connectors, there's this, there's just definitely this thing where they're like, hey, let's just put two things on one cable and you just flip them or twist something to, to change which one is selected. The buttons are standard. They're just connected to ground. Um, and then, yeah, there's these uh, potentiometers. You can see they're wired up as um, uh, variable resistors. Uh, so let me quit this because this is done. So this is the design uh, I came up with. Um, for the potentiometers, hold on, I always have to get rid of this side thingy. Uh, for the potentiometers, uh, so first off, I have you know the DE15 here, um, and I just copied over the thing. It, it is a five volts. Uh, you do need five volts into them. Now I'm like 99% sure that most of them will, most joysticks would be happy with 3.3 volts, but like you might as well do it right because there's going to be that one or two joysticks that everybody wants that does want five volts. Um, so I do power it from five volts, and then you can see I, I have the four buttons and the two joysticks. Uh, for the power supply, I used a little uh, switch cap converter because I don't need a lot of current. We're not driving a motor here. But you do want to have the reference voltage uh, be good enough and, and any LEDs that are lit up or whatever. So that's the 5-volt power supply. And then I'm using a, an ATtiny as a seesaw chip. Um, the reason being is if you're just doing plain GPIO expansion, you know, there's very inexpensive, like the PCF8574, very inexpensive chips that are great for that. If you're doing analog inputs, there's low-cost uh, analog input, you know, four analog input chips that are I squared C2. And I, if it was just one or the other, I'd probably pick one or the other. But the moment you have both, like you have both digital and analog inputs, it's like you are better off just using a microcontroller, in my opinion. So um, this will be programmed with a Seesaw peripheral code, and it'll have like IRQ support and all that. Um, and this is powered off of 5 volts so that the uh, analog references that come into here, I added the other half of the potentiometer, another resistor, and then I'll do the math to calculate the resistance instead of trying to do the RC timing thing. Um, so this will be referenced to 5 volts, but then the I squared C pins are pulled up to 3.3, right? So whatever is controlling it, you know, if it's it's running from 5 volt power and logic, it'll be fine because the 5 volts will just be 5 volts and everything's 5. If it's being powered and the logic is 3 volts, 
the three volts will be boosted to five, but the I squared C logic level will still be three. So it'll be safe, but the joystick will get the five volts it wants, and the uh, ATtiny will be running at five volts so they can do the proper um, ADC referencing uh, because the high side of the potentiometer is going to five volts. So that's the design. Um, I don't know if anyone out there has, has done uh, PC joystick interfacing, if they have any tips. Otherwise, we can move on to the great search. All right, here we go. Every single week, ladies, they use their power of engineering to find things on the DigiKey site. We call this the Great Search. Thanks, DigiKey, for making this happen. Lidia, what is the Great Search this week? Okay, so this week, um, I was just showing off a project I was building. It's a, a joystick adapter for retro PC joysticks, um, like the ones that would uh, have a five, 15 uh, pin connector that would plug into the back of your 486DX. Uh, and you would be able to play Commander Keen with a joystick uh, when, with your uh, Sound Blaster 16 sound card and joystick port um, ISA card. Um, but there's a lot of people who want to use these retro adapters, so I thought, uh, retro joysticks, so I thought I'd make a little adapter. Um, but to connect to the joysticks, you need a uh, DE15 connector. So let's show what that is. First off, uh, my schematic, um, it's a two-pin uh, two-row, 15-pin uh, connector. It's a D-sub-style connector. And then um, this is the pinout I was just showing. And this is a project that has a similar uh, connector. So you can see it's this big uh, D-sub here. And um, I want something very similar. I want it to be a right-angle connector. I want it to be through-hole. And if you look closely, I also want to have these, like, I don't know what they're called, like retention screws. They're like these little standoffs that are 440 size screws. And then this particular joystick that's plugged in doesn't have it, but a lot of joysticks have a little um, like thumb screws that you would use to mechanically like permanent attach it. Um, this is a friction fit and it will friction fit just fine. But I think I'd like to have those little um, added standoffs um, just for mechanical security if you do want to have something that doesn't, uh, doesn't tear off. So... Let's, uh, so now that we know what we're looking for, it's a D-sub, DE connector, and I want female. I want it to be, because this is the plug part and this is the socket part, so I want the socket part. Uh, so let's go to DigiKey, and we're gonna search for D-sub connector. Um, so one thing that's fun is that I have the beta, which is uh, a, a, new, a new thing. Um, I've had the beta on for a bit, but it's actually like as of this week, it changed over. So if you're logged in, uh, do click try the beta if you want to try this out. Because now uh, what's really neat is like they have um, pictures of the products and the interface is a little bit smoother and easier to use. Uh, so one thing that I like is before, like there would be a list. I'd be like, which one do I want? Um, now I can see I want... Uh, this one, the D-sub connector. I don't want the back shells and hoods. I don't want all these accessories. These are all the cables. I definitely want just this fella. Okay, so now, uh, you know, you can look. You can see the, the um, interface is a little bit rounder and there's like kind of drop shadows. Um, so yeah, there's a bunch of different options here. So the first off, I want to specify, well, first off, I always like to specify active. So I'm only looking at what is currently available. 
And the number of positions, I'm going to use the filter. Um, I only want 15. There's like, sometimes there's, whoa, 152. That's a huge D-sub. Um, I only want 15. I think these are like stacked ones. Sometimes you can get like two, so it's like nine and 15. But I only want 15. So let's apply. That'll cut down from 150,000 down to 11,000. Uh, another thing to watch out for with uh, D-sub 15 and higher numbers is there's also a VGA standard, which I don't know if I'll be able to find it. Uh, there's a VGA port that uses 15 uh, pins, which is three rows of five, but we want two rows of seven and eight. So we do have to specify um, two rows. And I want, uh, remember, I need sockets. I need the receptacle, which is with female sockets on it. So let's, let's cut that down. Um, so yeah, so this is basically what I want, but I want the through-hole version. I want something like this. So let's look for right angle through hole. Um, there you go. So uh, let's see. I want right angle through hole. There's a couple of like, this is SMT through hole. I'll select that anyways. And then not board edge. Yeah. Okay. So let's look at these. Okay, cool. Yeah, now we're, t now we're talking. Okay, so this is what I want. So you're seeing the images are starting to be. And here's actually something cool about D-sub connectors because I've just had to source these over, you know, the decades. Um, the pinout, the, the mechanical connection is like really standardized. Um, not This is not like USB connectors where um, I've noticed like just because something is a micro B USB connector or type C it does not mean it's going to be pin compatible or socket compatible or hole compatible. With these subs, I found that 99% of the time, like these are all going to be, even from different suppliers, like this is Ampolite or you know, WR or whatever, they're all Worth Electronics or TE, they're all going to be pin compatible. So you just have to choose what like finish you want and whether you want like all the extras. So I'm gonna actually just go for stuff that's in stock and um, not marketplace, because there's a lot of options. Here, why don't you hand me your phone? No. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Um, everybody wants. Everyone wants to be to search for stuff for them. Yes. Um, okay. So next up, I do want. Let me see. There's so much going on here. Well, I do want to. Uh, well, I definitely want Rojas. So let me add that. Although they're all going to be Rojas, and then I want to search by price. And then what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to just like mouse over to find the cheapest one that does what I want. So this is this is like the correct type of connector, but you notice it doesn't have those um, standoff thingies. So I'm gonna just keep going down until I get to this one. So here I finally found one that has the um, standoff connectors. And again, you know, definitely check the data sheet, but anything that's this shape and pinout is gonna be compatible. Um, and then you can see from the 3D view, uh, it's got like the, the mounting tabs, it's got the screw holes, and it's got the socket connector. And it's a pretty good price. I mean, like in quantity, it gets to be about a dollar. Um, so check this out. This is the ADF15AKG T2S. Uh, lots of them in stock, and um, this will fit 
perfectly in the standard pinout shape that I've got here for my uh, joystick connector. And that's great, Church. Okay, so next up, uh, let's do a question and then we're going to do some ion MPI. Yes. Uh, question for Lady Ada, have you all considered stocking the 24 gigahertz millimeter wave radar sensors such as this? And it's uh, some things I've, I sent along. I've never found that they work quite well, but I'll take another look. I I'll know send that, this to you right now. Yeah, so I know that radars later. have changed and there's a lot more makers. I, I remember like, geez, like eight years ago, I got a bunch of radar modules and I was very unimpressed with them. They were they were kind of flaky and hard to use. Um, but I can take a look again. Yeah. Maybe they've improved. Yeah. Thank okay. you for the suggestion. We'll check it out, and you know if uh, if it's good, I'll if stock it's it. Good, we'll stock it. All right. So um, we're gonna do ion MPI. Um, let's kick it. Okay, INPI, we look at the new products every single week. You can see these on DigiKey. And yes, there's a special edition of, from the Desk of Lady, which yeah. is actually handy because I'm going to show the demo. So, uh, and maybe I'll show the Arduino code. So as well. this week's INPI. This is from Sequence. Well, here's the thing technically, it's actually from Microchip, but it's a partnership between Microchip and Sequence. And I really like their logo, which has that like cool, like, can you cross every square in the, you know, dot using only three lines or four lines. So that was, you know, it's a puzzle that you always get in grade school. Anyways, yeah. that's a solution. Um, so this is the um, AVR IoT Cellular Mini, which is a new uh, dev board from, um, at, uh, sorry, microchip using an Atmel AVR microcontroller, um, the AVR uh, 128. Uh, the cellular module is from Sequence, and the SIM card is from Truefone. So it's kind of like a big collaborative effort. But I'll say this is actually one of the nicest cellular dev boards um, I've seen. It was extremely easy to use, and the price is really good. Um, so first up, the microcontroller that's included is the AVR128DB64. Um, so this is an AVR. It's, it's kind of like a very souped-up at Mega 328, um, if you're familiar with that chip, or a really, really souped up AT Tiny, uh, has 128K of flash, and I think it has 16K of RAM. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of chunky. Um, but, you know, it's, it's an AVR, so a lot of the things that you expect, you know, simple register access, not needing to synchronize between domains, um, all that stuff, it's, it's, it's a simplified microcontroller. Um, but it's powerful, it's got a lot of timers, it's got ABCs, it's got all sorts of cool stuff built into it. And of course, it's got a ton of flash and a ton of RAM, which will come in handy if you're trying to connect to IoT devices. Next up, uh, there is a cellular module, like I mentioned, it's from Sequence. It's an LTE module. Um, apparently, there is forthcoming NB-IoT support as well. Um, so they make the module, my, you know, Microchip makes the chip, they combined forces, uh, Voltron slash AVR IoT dev board. Um, so this cellular module is what, you know, has an AT command set. It's what you use to actually connect to the internet to send and receive data using that true phone SIM. All right, so here's what was really interesting is that this is a, you know, part of the curiosity series of boards. And does this look familiar? Does this look like some sort of dev 
platform that maybe like we helped popularize? It is. It's the Feather. It is Feather compatible, uh, which is really cool because I think this is Microchip's first Feather, or at least this is the first one I've ever heard of. Um, it's feather compatible. It's got all the pins in the right location. It's a little long, but that's expected because it's got the cellular module. And it's not only that, but it's got, uh, you know, a STEM QT slash quick port on the side. So it's got, uh, here's all the pinouts and, you know, you can see there's built-in sensors and there's you know, battery charging and monitoring and all that good stuff. There's a programming and debug uh, system using a SAMD21E, which acts as like, like it's a like programmer slash you are to USB converter slash mass storage driver kind of does everything, but the, the brains of the chip is in there. Oh, it's also got a crypto chip, the ATECC, sorry, AT68ECC, I think. I, I can't remember the exact part number, but it's the crypto chip that you use for if you want to connect to AWS and you want to have uh, your certificate stored uh, securely for bi-directional uh, TLS authentication. Okay. So the cool thing about Feather is, uh, and we've featured Feather boards, and I like to point out when, when people are part of an open standard as uh, this open standard that we are totally, totally cool with other people using um, is designed to make uh, breadboard friendly dev boards that have USB, that have battery charging, so they're really good for IoT. And then you can add um, microcontroller like uh, accessories like OLEDs or motor controllers or what have you on top. And you can see here, like we make, you know, 50 boards and like about a hundred feather wings. And then the community has dozens and dozens of more. So um, what's nice about using feather is that it will be very easy for people to, like, if you want to add motor control, we've got a motor control feather wing. You can just, uh, as seen here, you can just pop on top. And the second thing that they did, which I really liked is they added a, a quick connector. Uh, SparkFun came up with a quick standard. Um, they made a lot of quick boards. You know, when we started to get interested in plug and play, we looked at it and we're like, let's join in. Uh, STEM IQT, um is just a five volt compatible version of that. But you can use either. Um, and we've got, you know, hundreds of boards with STEM IQT. We're, we're STEM IQT flying all of our boards. All SparkFun sensors are quick. And, you know, other companies are also making um, quick compatible stuff like Pimeroni and um, Zio and. Uh, uh, shoot, I can't remember, prototyping direct or something. Other companies are making them as well. Uh, so we're not the only ones. Again, it's an open standard. So, um, you know, the, the Feather standard is what lets you add like big things like inks or displays or motor controllers. And STEM IQT Quick is what lets you add little sensors um, and breakouts and other small devices over I2C. Both are included. Okay, so what's really neat is when you... Um, you know, it, the hardware setup is really is really fast. You know, you basically disconnect. Uh, you, you pop the SIM card out. You plug it in. You attach the antenna. And then you uh, connect power. And what's neat is that, um, you know, there's this new paradigm, which I'm really liking, where when you plug in a dev board, it shows up as a disk drive. And then it has files to let you know what to do. So, um, you know, the documentation is when you plug it in, it says, click me. And I'm like, okay. Um, and what's also neat is like, you know, there's pub key text, which actually, I'll be honest, I actually look at, but I'm assuming that's the public key for the, the crypto chip on there. Um, but I like this exposure of um, the information, like non-secret information or documentation as a disk drive because it makes it very easy for people to get started. Um, and, you know, if you lose like, you know, you don't want to lose some leaflet and you're like, I don't know what to do with this thing. Um, so when you go to, uh, when, you, when you click, click me, um, you go through a uh, step-by-step 
process. Well, first off, you have to activate the SIM card. Um, that's the first thing they do because it takes a couple minutes, and that's done by TruePhone. Um, and what's neat is, first off, it's it's free uh, for 90 days, and then you get 150 megabytes, and it works in like almost every country in the world. Um, from here, it was AT&T, so it's whatever AT&T network uh, that uses LTE. And I like that it was 90 days because I've seen some like free SIM card plans that are 30 days, and 30 days is not quite enough to maybe get your whole project off the ground, but 90 days I thought was um, very generous. So this is, comes free with um, the SIM card that is in the kit. Um, next, uh, you know, another thing that I thought was neat is the, uh, that SAMD21, that's that interface uh, board I mentioned, um, is also like this drag and drop hex reprogrammer. So for example, they're like, hey, chances are the firmware has been updated since um, you bought this board. Click here to download the hex file. You download the hex file and then you just drag it onto um, that disk drive that appears when you plug in the board and it programs it. Again, like I'm really liking this paradigm where you don't need to like open up Atmel Studio. I love Atmel Studio. I've lived in it, but like it's great when you don't have to use it because it's it's quite a beast. Um, okay, so next up what I thought was really neat, uh, and I even sent this to our Learn Dev team because I thought it was so cool, is the documentation site that they've got is, um, I believe it's like Bitbucket, you know, backend edited, but it's a very nice, um, easy to navigate, well-documented, lots of photos, you know, lots of, um, you know, like emojis and clips of code. Um, and, re and references for how to use this board, how to install the IDE, how to install all the dev packages, uh, example code. There's even a project where you like 3D prints like this cube um, and you can use that with the Curiosity Nano to show how to make like, a full product prototype with it. And most important, it's got dark mode, which is, I think, key. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, no, but I like it. I think it's like, I can tell that the people who worked on this documentation site um, spent a lot of time. Um, yeah, this is very advanced. I mean, this is, uh, I think, the expectation for people doing modern development. Yeah. So, good work, Michael. No, this is very cool. Yeah. Um, there's there's actually some cool stuff. I don't even know that I got to add. Oh, no, I did. I, there's there's some other very nifty. I mean, it's interesting. It's like, I like the board, but then I suddenly became like very enamored by this documentation site. Uh, but that's okay. Anyways, on the documentation site, there's um, you know hardware and schematics and and the you know there's a data sheet for this product as well. Um, the other thing that I thought was just really nifty is there's this built-in live editor where you can write Arduino code and then you can compile it. And when you click compile, it downloads the hex for you. So it's like spinning up some server in the background with Arduino CLI. Um, compiling the code in the editor and it gives you the hex which then you can again drag and drop onto the disk drive so this is like really interesting and like my, it's, it's a little bit like micro bit but like I'm, I'm kind of impressed at how quick and easy um, this live editor was so I was you know again not it's not unique to this product but it's a very interesting thing that they have set up for this product so you can write code without even installing um, the Arduino IDE um, that said, if you would like to do more advanced development, uh, you can. Um, they basically recommend using Arduino. Um, the DX core by Spence Conde, who uh, writes amazing Arduino cores that we've used, um, has a core for the DB series of ABRs. I downloaded it, installed it in Arduino, and it took a few moments. 
You'll also need uh, microchips, AVR, IoT, cellular, Arduino library, uh, which you know um, you install it manually, uh, and it comes with uh, the library for interfacing with the LTE modem as well as the onboard sensors. Um, it has a bunch of examples. You know, the first example you would start with is um, this HTTP client, which uh, you know I basically just change it so it connects to. Um, uh, uh, World, sorry, it's World Time API, and I just change it to New York. And because it's Arduino, and because it's um, uh, it's because it's Arduino, and it's be and because it has a STEMIQT connector on the side, um, I was like, well, let's take the example and like really quickly update it so that when you um, ask for the um, time and date from this World API, it'll display it on an OLED. So let's let's take a break, and we can actually go and look at the. Thing. Oh, sorry, the demo. So this is the, the demo board. Uh, I didn't solder the headers in, but it's got the feather headers, and I just have it cooked to my computer. Um, and then, you know, again, this is something I usually can't do with dev boards, because usually I have to use a special IDE, I have to install this, and it's like, it's not Arduino compatible, but because this was really like, it's purely Arduino compatible using a core that's very well written. as um, I2C support, so I was just like, well, you know, let's just um, lock. Um, just plug and play without any soldering at all. And so, you know, adding other sensors, hold on, this OLED is confusing it. Um, adding other sensors or capabilities is like trivial. Like if I was able to do this in like, I'm gonna put this down. <laughs> Connectors on wire one, not wire zero. Um, but once I got that going, uh, you know, pretty much just worked. So it was, I was kind of surprised. Um, usually things don't just work, but um, it just goes to show you the power of having Arduino compatibility, Feather compatibility, and, and STEM QT. It's like, uh, so that was, this is the code that I wrote. So yeah, I just updated it and you can see at the top, I just added the SSD 1306 library. Um, and then at the bottom, I just had it printed out. And then um, when you connect to the COM port, um, there's this like logging output. It'll tell you that it's connected um, to cellular. It only takes like five, 10 seconds to connect to the cellular network. And then it can get um, data over HTTP, for example. There's also an NQTT example and an AWS example, but I, I thought it would just be easier to just do um, HTTP. I will say I couldn't quite figure out exactly how to do HTTPS. I'm sure it's supported because I saw there's an HTTPS configuration, um, but there's no example for HTTPS. So I would, I would really like it. Microchip, you should please add an example for TLS, SSL. I think uh, it will be very helpful for people because most servers these days do not accept uh, connections on port 80 anymore. And available on DigiKey 96 in stock as, in stock as the time of this printing, as they say. By printing, I mean sending photons at your eyeballs. But it's a good deal. So, like, you know, the, the price, considering that you're getting a SIM card that's good for 90 days, um, you're getting an LTE modem, you're getting the antenna, you're getting the microcontroller, you're getting, you know, the example code and the cores all set up. Um, this is kind of one of the lowest cost, you know, LTE slash NB-IoT dev boards I've seen. Um, and it's a dev kit and it's Feather compatible. So, you know, I think if you were looking for a Feather with LTE support, this is a really good example of one. Uh, and plus, you get to try out, uh, I've never tried out Sequon's um, LTE module, so that could be kind of fun too. All right. That's I on MPI. I on MPI.
All right, thank you, everybody. That's this week's Desk of Lady Ada. Like I said, next week it's 4th of July weekend, so we'll be posting videos, but we will not have a live show. And all throughout the week, stay tuned to our social media properties and more. You'll get an update of when we're doing stuff. We have lots of things we're posting ahead. And then tomorrow, some big news in New York City about manufacturing and also Adafruit. So we'll, we'll see everybody. Be. We'll see everybody during the week. Thanks for joining us. Bye, everybody. See you soon.